Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 7. I believe you are shocked that I'm going to be speaking from the Sermon on the Mount today. I will probably make that joke for the next year. You'll be like, oh boy, the Sermon on the Mount. Dr. Gladstone being the swell guy that he is, there was a box on my driveway when I got home. I think it was like Thursday. And um, I opened it up. And inside, he had sent me a framed portrait of that Jesus picture that he had, that had Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And so I'm going to put that in my cubicle. That'll be cool. And so uh, that was very, very nice of him to do that. Before we get into the scripture, let me just kind of reiterate some of the things that were said. First of all, I thought all of you were spot on with what what you feel like your heart is and what the Lord is saying for the church. When I heard um, Brother Nut Keith, when I, when I heard him say that uh, Sunday morning last week about, I felt like I was standing in front of the burning bush, I was like, that's exactly what I felt like. Like it was like when he said that, I was like, that's exactly how I felt. And uh, I want to say this, um, the whole weekend was phenomenal, okay? And so this is not a comparison, but that Sunday morning, that message, that was not a sermon. I, I, I'm not even calling it a sermon, that was a revolution manifesto. That was a mandate. That was apostolic in the sense of somebody who just comes and says, let's set this in order from as you relaunch. And so um, the sermon, if you have not heard it, it is on our Facebook page. It's on our podcast. It's on our website. It was so long, and so it didn't feel that long, but it was so long that it was in two parts. So uh, you'll, there's part one and part two. You can, I, and I'm asking. I'm, I'm really, I really am asking everybody in this church to go listen to that. Like, I'm personally going to listen to it probably once a month until the summer. Okay, just to kind of keep my my focus where it needs to be, which is on the beautification of Jesus, and a strong calling to take our church and hold our feet to the proverbial fire of following the Jesus way. That makes sense? And so um, as the whole weekend was wonderful. I mean, like we could sit here and talk about everything from the word go until, until the communion at the end was beautiful and people's testimonies. And wasn't it cool to see Matt and Tiffany, right? And wasn't it cool to see, to see all these people that came and visited? And then uh, Brother Larry Hudson from across town has this powerful word from the book of Philemon. Or however, y'all, however you want to say it. Like Philemon, whatever, whatever. Philip, and he had this powerful word, and he had this prophecy, and, and the prophecy is like somebody spent all the money that they had to get here, and here, and Lord told me to give some money, and sure enough, there is people who had traveled from from Hot Springs and spent almost all their their money to get here, and, and they had money to get back, and first time ever walking into a hundred year anniversary, and God touching them powerfully. Like I can sit here and talk all night about. Uh, that have, have a special moment. This is so cool. A special moment that whenever Ramona was preaching and she's like talking about find your four, and, and I've heard Andrew talk about this, and I felt the same way. I could look around. And I go, yeah, that's one of them, and that's one. Like I feel like I'm amongst the people who are my four. 
This would be a good time to say amen. Like, we all feel that way. Like we look and look around the, at this room and say, there are people in this room that are ride and die. Ride or die. I'm like, they, they are just, they are, they are, it's just ride or die, not ride and die, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, however it happens, it happens, okay? And so, uh, and so I just, I, I just look around this room and like, these are the people that have tore off the roof. Yeah. Not that would, these, these people did. Like we've been through some, we've been through some stuff and how grateful I am to be amongst that kind of people. And I say all that, and that was wonderful and good, but there was also a strong sense of walking away from those meetings with a very deep, sober responsibility that it wasn't a weekend, but that we take what was released that weekend and we actually put it into practice. And everything I'm going to say today is about that, okay? So, let's just pray, Father God, we love you. We are grateful for your word as we uh, kind of tie up the bow here on this relaunch season. As we come to the, the end of our hundredth year, God, we are grateful. And we acknowledge that absolutely you are the reason. And though man has played a part and the man has collaborated with you, all the glory, all the honor, it all belongs to you. And we acknowledge you are the reason. Now may the word of God that was released continue to be, uh, continue to be flamed up in our hearts. And may we become, in seed form now, that burning bush uh, for the city of El Dorado. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. I've got the end of the sermon. Oh, you found a picture. Yeah, I got one of those in my, in, in my cubicle. Not yet, but it's going to be in my cubicle. Anyway, um, yeah. So read with me. <laughs> oh, that was supposed to be a joke until he changed the picture. I was like, <laughs> anyway, okay. <clears throat> We're going to the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. Dr. Gladstone presented the idea, just to kind of recap real quick, that, um, that Jesus... Ask the question, who do you say that I am? Matthew chapter 16. They were able to answer the question correctly. And when they could answer the question correctly, then for the very first time, he uses the word church to explain them. So our ability to be a church is only as deep as our ability to rightly discern Jesus Christ. And I will take it a step further. Our ability to become a man like Peter who can say, this is what you are, but then move from there all the way into one of the apostles to actually build the church. Then it has to be more than just acknowledging with my mouth that you are the Son of God. I actually have to make the way of Christ my way too. I have to become a person of Jesus. I have to become, as Dr. Gladstone would say in his book, in his sermon, a, we have to have a Jesus people movement, a Jesus people revolution. Like everybody say, uh, you know, um, what are you? In, in terms of faith, what are you? We would, we would call ourselves Christians, right? And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't call ourselves Christians, but I'm saying, man, that, that word Christian is a very broad term, right? Uh, Catholicism is a, is a segment of Christianity. I am not that. 
Amen? Um, the, 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 the church world, uh, in the same way that Phariseeism was a segment of Judaism, there is a large segment of the body of Christ who is uh, religious that calls themselves Christians but aren't necessarily Jesus people. So it's not enough just to say, I'm a, I'm a Christian. What we have to do, like, I really got to narrow my focus that I am a person who follows the way of Christ. I remember Jim Jones, we were talking about this one time. He was like, one of my favorite, you know, if he, if, if, one of my favorite revelations or one of the things he talked about is we could name a church like the way. And that's always stuck with me because like there is this idea that, that, uh, that uh, by the way, isn't that, y'all catch the joke? Like, it's not really a joke, but Jim Jones talks about the way. That's, <laughs> he gets that joke all the time, <laughs> so he's used to it. So anyway, but uh, it's this idea that, like, that, that I love his heart, and it's this idea that, yeah, everybody calls themselves Christians, especially in South Arkansas. But who are those people who are following the way and doing it the Jesus way? And so really what this relaunch weekend, and it didn't make our path any easier. It actually said, let's narrow the focus here. And that's where we're going to start. We're going to start with the end of the sermon. Enter through the, everybody say narrow. narrow. Everybody say gate. Yes. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. Many enter through that way, that wide gate, that wide road. Being a believer, being a follower of Jesus isn't supposed to be easy. His burden is easy, right? His yoke is easy. But the way we walk is costly. It costs us everything. In other words, the only way to live is to die. Right? Uh, the only way to go up, Kelly, is to get on your knees and go down. The only way to increase is to give it all. The only way to be glorified is to be humbled. You see what I'm saying? And so, and so everybody wants to do uh, a Burger King. Have it. Yeah. So have it your way is absolutely not the Jesus way. Amen? And so uh, verse th 14, brother, go, go, go there. The gate. Everybody say the gate. The gate is small. It's little. It's tiny. And, and it's almost like whenever Kelly was talking about getting on our knees, it was almost like this idea that if we find the gate, like literally we, we got to get on our knees and crouch down to get through it. That makes sense? And so the gate is small. The way is narrow that leads to life. Now, I believe that the way that had been presented to us is very clear today. I don't think it's muddy. I don't think there's confusion about what we're supposed to do now. I think it's very clear, but I think that road 
is one foot in front of the other, very narrow, being very mindful that we, uh, I don't know, walk out this way. It's fear and trembling, amen? Not being sloppy, not being, not being um, just uh, lacidatical or just, you know, some sense of a free, loving way. That's the idea of like, man, I set my face before him as flint and I walk the way and I, and I take every step with the way in mind. And so this last sentence is really important to me. For the gate is small, the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who even find the gate. And if you want to say, Chester, what happened this week, this last weekend? I think we actually just found the gate. That makes sense? Few find it. That doesn't look, I'm not preaching this from some sense of. Well, we found it. They didn't find it. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just like, there's, there seems to have been this journey and this search. And it seems to me that last Sunday we walked away and went, we found the gate. Like every, what our hearts have been searching for, we found the entry point into it. We have not arrived there's no sense of like we've arrived. There's no sense of we've made it. There's no sense of we know what we're doing now. There's no sense of any of that. It was like you pulled back the vines, you pulled back the branches, you pulled back the overgrowth, and you saw this little magical gate, and you're like, hey, I, that, that's it right there. It's, not, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like uh, uh, Narnia. Right, you have this this hutch, and you got this little bitty door, and like this this uh, this wardrobe, and you walk through this wardrobe, and it's like, and it leads to a, a whole other land, and that's like, and, it, and it, the, the the wardrobe door isn't obvious to where it's going, so not many people find it, and it's almost like we we have this this message that comes forth, and it showed us the way, and we found the gate, and it's like, okay, but now we're at decision time. I found the door, I found the narrow gate. I'm going to open it. I'm going to peer into it. And then we got to go, okay, do we want to walk this out? See, he was talking about, you know, the struggle being very real moving forward to not shrink back and just revert back to church as normal and revert back to a little bit of leaven, which is religion, Pharisees, religion that would spread if we, if we don't really keep our hearts very focused on following the Jesus way. We need a Jesus revolution. Amen? And so that's point number, point number one. Is he you got to imagine, too, Jesus is preaching, and it's the, the sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached. He is closing the greatest sermon ever preached. He's coming to the end, right? Uh, blessed are the poor. And he's just like, boom, boom, boom. And this is what it means to forgive. And this is what it means to murder. And this, right? You think you could just hate? Nah, nah. You think you could just, you, you can kill a man and call it murder? No, you hate in your heart and call it murder. And he just, he just, boom, boom. This is the kingdom. This is the way. And, and he just talked about this whole sermon. And he comes to the end of this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, now, can you walk through the narrow gate and get on the narrow path, which is the sermon? Does that make sense? He's, coming to the, he's closing the, his sermon. Verse 15, beware of false prophets 
Okay? They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. How do we know a false prophet? And let's let's not define a false prophet as, you know, the, the Antichrist or some dude out there who's obviously just, you know, twisted and evil. Let's all look for the false prophet that lives in here. And a prophet that would call one to walk a way of life that was contrary to the way Jesus laid out. That was better than you shouted. There's a false prophet that is li- could live in my heart if I let him live there. And it's that you can do Jesus and have it your way too. That's false. Right? And so... This is how we know the false prophet. By the way, one of you, I think, uh, uh, I don't know the name, name, I don't remember exactly who it was, but somebody talked about having a vision about seeing a tree growing last weekend up front. And who was that? Somebody raise your hand. Who was that? Sherry. Sherry talked about this vision of a tree, which spoke to me instantly because when I first started here 15 years ago, January 1st, and it was time to like call the youth group something, I decided on the concept of an oak tree out of Isaiah 61 that his roots would grow and it would become the display of the splendor of the Lord. And it's like this idea that I've always seen on some level this church as a tree. Does that make sense? And so here we are. How do you know the false prophet that lives inside of you? This is real important. Pay attention. This is real, real important. Verse 16, brother. You will know them by their fruit. Now stop. Don't read anything else. If I said define fruit, we're going to get there in a second. But in your mind right now, what's the fruit of the tree? Okay? Don't answer that question internally. Uh, I'm going to answer it a little bit later on. Okay? Grapes are not gathered from a thorn bush or fig trees from thistles, are they? No, I don't walk up to an oak tree and ask for apples. Okay, like a a, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. And all the trees and all the bushes that produce fruit are never consuming of their own fruit. It's always meant to feed the world around it. And this is kind of, I heard this the other day, it's revolutionized the way I look at fruit. The fruit of the Spirit isn't for me. The Spirit itself was meant to make us witnesses. Y'all know the Bible, right? The Spirit itself meant to make us witnesses. It is imperative that I must go, that the Spirit would come, so that you would be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. Like you are the, the, the Spirit of God. It's honest to be a witness. And the fruit of the Spirit is meant to be picked off by uh, the, 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 the external sources that they may taste and see that what's on our life is real. Yeah. 
and good and go, where did that come from? Well, I'm planted in the soil of, you see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm in his field. And so the point is, the point is, is you, you cannot, look at me, everybody across this room, you cannot ever do the wrong thing and expect the right result. And everybody's like, the wrong thing, yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about, we'll start listening to all these major sins. That's what I'm talking about. You can never have the wrong heart posture towards God, towards his way. You can never, when he calls us to radical, you can never settle for the middle road and go, I'm going to produce good fruit. Like, the gospel is radical. That there's one thing I heard from, from Ramona, this be different. It was like the word radical just started my spirit. It's like this idea that I really believe that in, the, in our future, especially next year, God is not just calling us to his way, but he's calling us to walk his way radically. Like, I mean, I'm talking about like uh, in a way that makes us uncomfortable. Uh, but we're just getting comfortable. That's the problem. Amen? An uncomfortable, radical adherence to the way of Christ is the only way to produce godly fruit. So let's read about it. Every good tree bears good fruit. Uh, Jim brought this up too. I should just let Jim speak, okay? He brought this up too about the, about the rich young ruler, right? Like, the rich young ruler was a good dude. But the fruit wasn't good because even though on, he looked good, on the inside, he wasn't doing it the radical way, so he couldn't produce the radical good fruit. Does that make sense? And then Jesus was saying this stuff like, uh, you know, who y'all calling good? There's only one good. Right? His name is Abba, his name is Father. Anyway, so every good tree bears good fruit. Every bad tree bears bad fruit every time. Always. I feel like we live in a gospel age where people say, um, God took a very bad situation and turned it into something good, meaning our lives. Amen? And that's mercy. But so many times we'll say the fact that God took a bad situation and turned it something good as permission to continue in bad knowing he'll always come and bring it about in the good. Does that make sense? No, at some point, you, when, when God showed his mercy, took a bad situation, turned it into good, you can just now repent, Kelly. You jump there preaching stuff, okay? And and, and, and it, 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 a turn away from that life is, is turn away from how do I say it this way? Turn away from uh, acceptable worship into, into like radical adherence to Jesus' way. Uh, there's a C.S. Lewis quote, I think, I don't, I don't remember it all, but it was the idea that the greatest enemy of great pursuit of God is just a good pursuit of God. So, verse 19 says this. Verse 19, brother says, every tree that does not bear good fruit, cut down, thrown into the fire. Yikes. Now, here comes a very tough verse, okay? Verse 20, so then, you will know them by their fruits. Jesus is saying, you know a good tree by good fruit. Verse 21, okay? Verse 21, every, not everyone. How many of you have heard this verse a million times? 
you got to put it in context of not only this section, but the entire Sermon on the Mount. Okay? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles in your name? Here's the problem with the Western church is we think that prophesying, uh, uh, casting out demons and doing miracles is fruit. It's not fruit. The fruit is everything he just described in the Sermon on the Mount. Are you poor in spirit? Are you mourning? Are you walking meek? Are you making peace? Are you pure in heart? Are you rejoicing when you're persecuted? That's the real fruit on the branches of your tree that tell if you're really planted in my soil or if you're just doing things. That makes sense? And so... Jesus says to these guys, uh, verse 23, uh, I will declare to them, I never knew you. In other words, I went and picked fruit off your tree and tasted of it, and that was something that, that does not taste like what comes from me. So we got to change our definition of fruit. Our definition of fruit isn't the idea of being productive in the sense of the gifts of the, the look. Think about the the fruit of the spirit isn't even ministry, is it? It's character. The idea of being fruitful, we've so defined fruitfulness. Everybody, look my way. We've so defined fruitfulness as ministry gifts and talents. Well, if you're fruitful, you'll go in the loss. That's not what the scripture says. Should you go in the loss? Absolutely. What's the point of going and making disciples if you don't have the fruit to turn them into something that looks like Jesus? That's actually been a part of the big problem. We get people to say a prayer, add their number to the tick line on the mark, that we are not cultivating any culture of the kingdom of God. The, the kingdom ethics, which are the Beatitudes, into the lives of, of, of believers, and we're calling it fruitful, but they, don't, but they taste and look like the same tree that they were before. I mean, you said discipler, right? I mean, I, I, that's my goal. I want to disciple us. I, it is my goal to make us miserable over the next year. Welcome to church at the armory. It's literally that we would be disgusted with a form of godliness. We would be disgusted with the idea of, of walking the wide road. That we would be disgusted with the idea that we would stand before God and brag about all the things we've done, but him look at us as if he's never seen us before. Because the thing he recognizes isn't our talents and our gifts. He recognizes the fruit that hang from our branches. And I know, Jesus, Jesus was like, I know love when I see it. I know meekness when I see it. I know a pure heart 
when I see it. Matter of fact, Israel needed a king, and I went and found the one who had the purest heart. Right? So, if we define the next hundred years or the next singular year of our church as fruitfulness and gain of numbers and dollars and all that stuff, if that's how we're going to define fruitfulness, then we're making a mistake. Do I believe that stuff is coming? Yes. That's what scares me. I believe success is coming. And I'm telling you, as people who walked through hell on earth, it is easier to lean on Jesus when your world's falling apart than it is to lean on Jesus whenever you've got what you think is sure footing and you figured it out. What scares me is that we would be gaining, increasing, but not have the characters to sustain it. For the next hundred years. Does that make sense? I'm not talking about character in the sense of uh, just do good, do wrong. I'm talking about character in the sense of all of us committing together to walk a very radical, narrow path that is what Jesus taught. That's the character I'm talking about. To to, uh, never, ever allow ourselves permission no matter what the circumstance called us to, never allowing ourselves permission to do it any other way other than His way. If you want, look at me, if you want permission, you can find permission. The devil will come to you with Scripture to give you permission. Amen? Jesus rejected the temptation of Satan in His, in his use of Scripture because there was this, because the tree was good. Right? Because there was something in him that held his feet to the fire. And it was, it was the way of Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. Who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself a no reputation and coming low, 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 low. Becoming obedient not only to being a human, which was disgusting if you're a God, but to becoming subject to a human death that you didn't even deserve. And only then, going low, 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 could he be uh, 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 glorified. And he was risen and given the name far above every other name because he wouldn't let go of the way of the kingdom. There's a kingdom ethic. I'm going to talk all about it in January. There's a kingdom ethic, okay? Now, therefore, the very close, this is the last Thing Jesus is going to say on his Sermon on the Mount. This is really what I want to say to us as we come out of last week's message. Okay? Alright? Everybody with me? Everybody with me? Okay, look right here. I wish I could take Dr. Gladstone's sermon and you just tag this under the very end. Everything you just heard, now therefore. This is what you do now. Right? What do you do? Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Everybody say acts on them. This is why I say I'm not comfortable with calling it a sermon. This was a call to action. This is a mandate, a manifesto. That makes sense? Everyone who hears these words, 
This is why I'm asking you, if you weren't here, to go hear the words from that message and to go hear the words that I bring to you over and over and over again like a broken record over the next year about the way of Christ. Hear these words and then put them into practice. How many of y'all this week uh, interacted with someone contentious? Raise your hand loud and proud. <laughs> come on. After this week, you know, you, got th- you come out of the glory of God, and then you walk out into the, into the real world, right? You walk out of the hour of power into the real, the real world, and like, oh, no, there's somebody who uh, is kind of a, 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 a jerk, right? And so now I've got to deal with the jerk. What do I do? Actually, this is what you do. You put everything you just heard into practice. Does that make sense? It's easy to do the sermon in here on Sunday morning. Y'all don't shout me down. It's easy to do the sermon in here on Sunday morning. It's another thing to do that sermon out there whenever it actually requires you to be humble. When actually, it actually requires you to be dependent upon the Spirit and not your flesh. Amen? So, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man. Holy cow! Holy cow! A wise man. Almost like an owl. Y'all, how many of y'all were here? How many of y'all here? I talked about this oh, two weeks ago. Like the owl that stared me down in a tree and the Lord was going to release deeper wisdom on our hearts. And I, I, and I was like, there's a wisdom that's coming that the Lord, I've been praying over wisdom for, for three weeks now as an owl stared me in the eye 20 foot high in a tree. And I was like, wisdom, yes, Lord, I hear what you're saying loud and clear. What is wisdom? To take those words and to put them into practice in my life. The opposite of taking those words and putting them practice in my life is the definition of foolishness. How great of a fool would we be as a church to have this last weekend and then to return to life as normal? Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. How great of a fool would we be as a church to hear what we heard, this, this invitation into a narrow road, the one road that has life on it. And then to go back to life as normal it would be the most foolish thing we could ever do. You can talk about throwing all your money away, gambling, and just and drugs. And, you know, all that. That's, yeah, sure, that's foolish. You know, what, you know what even a deeper level of foolishness is? It's to be a Pharisee who saw the Son of God manifested in his day and wouldn't bow his knee to him. That makes sense? And here we are with this opportunity to build, no, to let God build his house his way. And it comes in wisdom. And what is the wisdom? To do the sermon. By the way, Matthew chapter 16, upon this rock, The man who does these words, puts them into practice, acts on them, is using wisdom. And what God builds there will be as if it was built on a rock. If I say to you, um, let me say it this way. 
Peter had a moment where the Holy Spirit came and revealed to him, not flesh and blood, revealed to him the correct answer to the question. Who do men say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Holy Spirit came in that moment and revealed to him what flesh and blood couldn't reveal to him. We are standing almost 2,000 years later with the Holy Scripture in our hands and the ability to regurgitate it in our spirit over and over again. We've been saved. We've had the Holy Spirit regenerate our hearts. We've had the Holy Spirit baptize us afresh and new. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, teaches us all things. We've had thousands of years to take what he got in one moment and to make it into a lifestyle of living. We have a greater responsibility than Peter had to live upon the rock foundation. out there today we have a deeper responsibility that that what peter got in a moment we've had like lexi said our entire lives to be seated in this way of life how much more foolish would it be for us that makes sense the level of foolishness that we're we might be uh playing with is off the charts that we have literally grown up having the way presented to us from the times we could speak in children's church and in nursery and and grown up in godly homes and grown up in a godly church praise the lord amen and like we've had the way laid out before us and there's a greater responsibility on our hearts in this day and this hour to walk out the way Like, what we have in America right now is this deconstruction deal going on where everybody's saying, all that was junk and I need to refigure out faith. It's it's demonic and from the pit of hell that everybody should take the foundation and wipe it away and just try to build a a gospel that I can live out in my own terms. Now, hear what I'm saying? What we need is not something new. What we need is a radical adherence to the path that's always been there. And we're just lucky enough to have found the gate. Amen? That's what we need. And so, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, acts on them, may be compared to a wise man. Any wise people in the house today? Jesus, help us. <laughs> Please, Lord. Uh, we're going to redo relaunch weekend, okay? Okay, it obviously didn't take the first time. Any wise people in the house today? I'm trying to be humble. Trying to be meek, Pastor Chester. Don't act, don't you like, like, the, like the craziest question in the world is, you know, raise your hand if you're humble. <laughs> right? Okay, okay. But it's okay to say we're going to enter into wisdom and we're going to do it Jesus' way. Amen? Now, don't go to the next verse just yet. That wise man built his house on the rock. The rock is Christ. Look at me. The rock is Christ. But not only, like we always say the rock is Christ, but what does that mean? It's not just Christ. It's Christ and his teaching and it's his way. We don't take the physical body of Jesus, lay it down as a foundation. His teaching is the bedrock of the foundation of the church he will build. That makes sense? The way, the truth, the life. 
Now, I'm not the world's best preacher. But I figured out what you want to do at the end of a sermon is you want to have this, you want to end with a word of encouragement and like, build everybody up. Right? Like, right before we dismiss church, I'm going to end my sermon and we're not going to come in for a landing. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to soar out of our seats and out into the world. And I'm going to be like, rah, 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 you can do this. Jesus is with you. There's nothing impossible to him that believes. For greater is he that's in you than he is in the world. Ah, right, 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 right. And like, I'm not gonna, we're going to build everybody. And we're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. Jesus didn't go to my preaching school. Literally. This is how Jesus ends the greatest sermon ever preached. The most important sermon ever preached. I mean, these people are like Keith there. I feel like I'm sitting in front of the burning bush. Fire, right? And this is how Jesus ends it. Verse 25. The rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew, slammed against the house. It did not fall because it was found on the rock. Verse 26. By the way, there's more storm coming. Amen. Praise God. Verse 26. This is the end of the sermon. This is the last thing Jesus says. After literally introducing them into the uh, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he sit everybody down and preached them to the greatest sermon ever preached. And this is the last words out of his mouth. The last instruction of the sermon. Everyone who hears the words of mine and does not act on them is like a fool. Who builds his house on sand. And the winds come and the waves come. And the rain comes, and it's slammed against the house, and it fell. How great was its fall. Sits down. So as we tie the bow on this relaunch, this is how I want to end the sermon. There is only one way that I know, scratch that, that heaven knows that we're people of wisdom or we might be the greatest fools to ever live having been presented such glorious opportunity. And only time will prove it. We can all sit here today and shake our heads and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But only time will prove it. Fools are men and women of wisdom. Is that we take this sermon, Dr. Gladstone's message, the way of God, the way of Jesus, and we absolutely make it our lifestyle. I so bad want to be like, we can do it. 
I so bad want to say that. Maybe the best thing we need to hear right now is uh, if we don't, if we don't, we only thought we fell the first time. The last thing I ever want to hear spoken over our body is how great was its fall. We only thought, we only thought the first fall was bad. Oh, we could fall greater. You hear what I'm telling you? So it's on that note, Jesus. As we enter into the new year, as we celebrate your coming and prepare our hearts for next year, we're kind of like little children this morning, and we need foolishness ripped out of our hearts. I'm humble enough to say it, God. I pray that you would call this church and that we would answer in wisdom to a radical adherence to the way of Jesus, to the narrow gate and the narrow road and the good fruitful tree, and that we would accept no other way of living, God. God, we are not comparing ourselves to anybody else, no other church in town. Matter of fact, we bless every other church in town. God, we only compare ourselves to the mirror that is the Word of God, specifically the Sermon on the Mount, and I pray that we would go, that we, as we enter this gate, would walk into it a, a, a season of transformation that one year from now we would not recognize ourselves. That this church would become something that is marked by words of wisdom and glory and sure fitted foundation. God, I pray that you would do that, that you would grace us with the opportunity to do that. We are grateful. And so we love you. We honor you. And as much as our hearts can on this day, I feel like there is a resounding yes in the room to say we will follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. If you're in agreement, say it dangerously. Amen. Amen. Amen.